This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Grant and Danny. Danny doesn't have a voice, so today it's just Grant. You are listening to The Fan. Thank you for making the show part of your day. Taking you up to 6.30 all over D.C., and we got to welcome in our Richmond audience with us for the next three hours as well. The Caps are idle again today. They are back in action at home finally tomorrow against the Devils, 7 p.m. start time at Capital One Arena Center Nick Dowd will join us coming up in one hour at 4 o'clock. And at that time, I'm giving away a four-pack of Caps tickets. you got to be listening right here on The Fan. Let's get to the BetQL. Guest hotline, bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Our buddy Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus joins us. Brad, great to have you back on the show. How are you? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I always love talking ball with you, but especially on a day like today, there's a lot of numbers flying around, a lot of cap ramifications that was your expertise when you were working on the team side there's plenty to dive into Uh, let's start though with Aaron Rodgers is he going to be a jet it's starting to look that way I think the biggest tell so far out of all the things that have happened is when you see a team let their player under contract have conversations with another team directly not via their agent not you know but have you know the Jets fly out in, in a private jet to California it says a lot. I think it's a big deal, and I think it is a signal of Green Bay kind of nudging him like, hey, you know, you should go somewhere else. We want to start the Jordan Love era and reset the clock here. So you, it sounds like, agree with me. My take is the Packers telling him go talk to the Jets is all we need to know. I mean, they are over this. They are done. They would like him to leave. Is that overstated? I think to a degree that that is the only team you can take away from this. So, you know, maybe it's not as fractured as some reports have been, but it's definitely not a healthy, great place because, you know, this is a big step. This is not something you take lightly at all. Um, and I think you do say in the back of your mind, you know, I hope they blow him away. I hope they find a way to work through this financially or whatever he needs um, because we kind of want this to happen. If the Jets-Rogers courtship doesn't work out, then what? This feels like a tough amount of toothpaste to put back in the tube in Green Bay. That's the thing is financially there's no way they can get out of this, right? They can't, you know, cut him. They would take on this gigantic dead cap hit. So, you know, if he wants to stay and doesn't want to retire, they have to just make it work. They have to just exercise his option bonus, prorate it, and make it work. Uh, you know, so he kind of he has all the leverage as, as he loves to do, um, and I'm sure he's wielding that as much as he can. The Jets don't really have money right now, and the cap is fluid, and they can always kind of work around that. But how would they make a Rodgers deal work? I can't imagine he would become a Jet on his current deal. So what they would have to do, so first they can clear some money, you know, pretty quickly with some restructures on guys like DJ Reed and Jonathan Myers. 
They could cut Corey Davis and save $10.5 million. And right there, you're pretty flexible. But the thing still with Rodgers, and I'm guessing this is part of the conversation, and I promise I'm not trying to get too into the weeds on contracts, but essentially what they would do is they would move some of the money he's owed in 2023 into a roster bonus for 2024. But as soon as he gets on the Jets, they would then convert that roster bonus into a signing bonus and give him all that cash, you know, again, up front. So he would still get the same cash payout, but they would make it so they can absorb him on the cap in 2023 and then prorate a bunch of money and spread those cap hits out and make it more flexible. Brad Spielberg's, Spielberger is smart. You see why I like having him on G&D. He's done this on the team side, working in the NFL. He's with PFF now. If they add Aaron Rodgers, how good are the Jets? I think they're pretty darn good. I mean, the AFC is obviously loaded. The division itself has Buffalo. You know, Miami's a solid team. The Patriots are always going to be relevant with Bill Belichick. But you look at last year, I mean, some of the worst quarterback play in the entire NFL. We had Zach Wilson as a below replacement level player. Mike White, maybe at replacement level, maybe slightly above. I think he had some good games here and there, actually against Buffalo before he got hurt. Thought he played well. But, but you add in Aaron Rodgers with a talented young defense, with those young weapons that should take another step, with an actual quarterback, I mean, Garrett Wilson could have 1,500 yards for all we know. I think they're like a 12-13 win team and a potential contender if everything goes right and gels together. Another big story yesterday in New York was that the Giants beat the clock. They did not tag Daniel Jones. They didn't need to. They got a long-term four-year deal done with him, and they were able to tag Saquon Barkley. What was your reaction? You know, once it seemed like there was, you know, gravity towards a deal getting done with Daniel Jones, I thought it would. They clearly wanted to get something done. You know, I know everyone throws these numbers around of, oh, you should sign for 30, sign for 35. That's just not really how the NFL works. I always figured 40 was kind of, not the floor, but kind of the number where it had to start with a four. And so if you're the Giants, I personally would have franchise tagged them and said, hey, go prove it to me again. If you repeat last year or frankly do a little bit better, I'll give you that long multi-year deal. But long story short, it's a solid deal for both parties. Jones gets some solid cash in the early years. The first two years gets about $84 million in cash. And then, um, you know, in year three, if the Giants wanted to get out, they can. Um, So so it's not a terrible deal for either side. All right, so help me, because I spent a lot of time yesterday trying to to do this, and I, I just can't do it as eloquently as you. For the people that just can't wrap their head around Daniel Jones, and basically three years at $37 million and he's not that good, and how could you, what would you say? So here's the thing. For every big deal like this, the way the conversation genuinely starts, if you want to know how every deal across the NFL starts, is you say this, okay, what is the value of two franchise tags, and let's start there. And so the foundation there with Daniel Jones would be about $32.5 million this year, and then the second tag would have been just under $39 million. So about $71.5 million. So right there, you're already at $36 million per year over two years. So that is an artificial but kind of a real floor. And then you say, Jones, okay, I'll give you two more years of cost control. You're going to have to bump that up to, you know, at least 40 And like you said, a very good point. It's really 37 and a half per year over the first three years. So basically, he got two franchise tags, but a little bit more cash flow early on, some more guarantees, of course, and assurances. And then in year three, either they give him another kind of flat money or they cut him and take a little bit of dead cap. So I want to go back to your point that you would have tagged him a second time and kind of made him prove it again, which that's a reasonable take, right? You're a sharp dude. You know how this works. My rebuttal would be 
You lose Saquon Barkley. This is a team with no weapons, and they just lost their best weapon. You also have less money to spend now this year to go get him weapons. When you just lost your best weapon, they saved a bunch of money this year by doing it this way. And then also, and maybe this part you can fill me in on, I'm not sure you're really saving a whole lot of money in the long run doing it that way. You're just pushing the payment back, and I don't want to say hoping he fails, but like that's the best outcome other than spending more, losing Barkley, and not having as many weapons right away. So that is the thing. So first on the cap, of course, it would be tough for them to then add you know, talent around him if they had this monster cap hit. Now Barkley's franchise tag and Daniel Jones' first-year cap hit are less than what just Daniel Jones' cap hit would have been by himself. But I would say, A, you know, the cap is not a reason why you pay a guy a bunch of money. To the second point of, you know, you are delaying it. That I agree in most cases. For example, the Dallas Cowboys were so dumb to franchise tag Dak Prescott twice. You knew he was the guy. You knew he was good enough. He'd shown a heck of a lot more than Daniel Jones has. And you could have signed him for a similar deal to what Jared Goff and Carson Wentz guys in his draft class got after their third season, right around $32, $33 million a year, he probably would have taken that deal. Instead, you tag him twice, and then you give him $40 million a year, the biggest signing bonus still in NFL history. That You do want to avoid that in general. I'm just not sure. I personally see enough from Daniel Jones, but they clearly have. And so then, if you think you've seen enough, you're probably smart to go this route. So, And I think that makes a lot of sense. Brad Spielberger of PFF here on Grant and Danny. Which really the, the argument then is where's the bar, right? So like the bar of this guy needs to be paid or tagged because th- when you're in the tag conversation like they were, as you said, now I've got a floor. It's two tags. This would have been $36 million for one year, $72 million over two years. You're paying him at least that. You, you agree that he was over that bar. You agree that he was a taggable guy. But I'm, I guess I'm curious – for your expertise on where is that bar? Like, is he the new bar? Because they're, if you're a little worse than Daniel Jones, like, you can't get tagged, right? I mean, so, you see, Gino had one year, gets paid. I, I guess I'm, uh, that, that bar is always moving, but I'm trying to figure out where it is now. No, it's tough. I think he is kind of a barometer of sorts. I Maybe mean, there's the Daniel Jones line um, and, and the over-under. I think, look, also, Yes, the on-field matters a ton. Yes, you can definitely say, you know, his weapons stunk this past year. He's never had a good offensive line. They were solid this year. Um, You know, he's had different play callers. Joe Judge was an awful coach. All these things that you can point to. And I know all the cliches. He's a first guy in, last guy out guy. You know, yada, yada, yada. That stuff does matter. But, um, you know, for me, it's like, you know, he threw 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. That's the best year of his career. Um, He averaged six and a half yards per attempt, which is a pedestrian number. Yes, the running numbers were great, but you know, we talk all the time about, you know, not wanting to pay running quarterbacks. Not that he's only a runner, but, I mean, he had 3,200 passing yards. So, I think he's a good player. I think he's a great player. Um, I, I do. It does come back to, like, if you think he's there, you might as well pay him. Because, look, now if he does take that step, like you said, if you tag him and he took a big step, then you're paying him 45 or whatever. Plus, instead, you kind of lock in a deal that when you dive into the numbers, the fourth year is artificially inflating it, all those things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a tough question to say exactly where is the bar, but I think he is kind of like right on that line of he's a player below or above him, you know, might be in different situations. Over the last couple of years, another guy whose passing totals have been unimpressive, but they don't really tell the story is Lamar Jackson. And the narrative around him is obviously very different because he's a lot better than Daniel Jones. He won an MVP award, albeit way back in 2019. What do you think's going on with him right now? 
Yeah, and he did also, you know, lead the NFL in touchdown passes in that 2019 season. So, you know, never going to be a 5,000-yard guy. But, um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or, or say anything that's going to you know, offend any NFL teams or anything like that. But my honest take of the situation is, you know, they don't want to make this fully guaranteed contract that Sean Watson got a precedent, and they're comfortable, you know, a half dozen teams coming out yesterday within an hour. I've never seen it before in my entire life saying we're not even going to call the guy and at least hear him out and hear what he wants and have a conversation and go through the situation. Um, you know, and I think also he doesn't have an agent, and I think teams don't really like that either. If he had a big power broker agent, maybe no one signs to an offer sheet, but there's no chance any of those teams come out yesterday and say, we're not even going to talk to him, we're not interested. There is no chance whatsoever because it kind of burns a bridge, it ru- or tarnishes a relationship with an agent they probably do a lot of business with. So, I, I think it stinks a little bit. I think it's a little bit dirty. Um, I, I, at this point, my bet is he plays in 2023 on the franchise tag. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think that's, that's the most likely outcome. So there's a few follow-ups there. The first thing is the idea of not having an agent. We talked a lot about this last hour. That was not something I brought up as possibly being a problem here. Why do you think that would affect how teams want to deal with him? So for the first part, I know the conversations between him have just been very difficult. Um, so from a pure negotiation standpoint, it sounds like, you know, the Ravens come up with an offer, they go through all this stuff, and, and Lamar basically just says, like, does it have Deshaun Watson's full guarantees? If no, then I don't care, right? So so that's the first the hard part is, you know, you talk to agents, cl- client management, or client expectation management, excuse me, is probably the hardest part of their job, or, or, or one of them, and explaining the structure and how everything works. But the second point, the more the reason why I mentioned the agent thing, and this doesn't really have to do with his money he's going to earn, but just the optics and the way people talk about him. For all, like I said, you had team websites, literally like the Atlanta Falcons report came from the team reporters saying the Atlanta Falcons are not going to pursue Lamar Jackson, which is insane. They have the second most cap space in the NFL. Desmond Ritter is a fine player. I think he's a good player, but he's not a great player. He's not Lamar Jackson. Two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson when you saw Watson go for three, when Russell Wilson got two first, two seconds, and three players. Two, two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson is a bargain. Um, I, I just think if he had an agent, it would, A, help him kind of work through what the contract looks like, why teams do not want to go fully guaranteed, and, B, that the other teams would not be so – you know, you know, kind of overt with what they said yesterday. So that's a great insight from Brad Spielberger. So you didn't use the big bad C word, right? A lot of people are, which is collusion. But the idea you have, which a lot of us have, and I think is completely fair, is that the owners don't want to do the Deshaun Watson deal. They, they don't want to do this. Like, maybe we'll do the two-year full guarantee, that the, the Kirk Cousins 17% of the cap, you know, over three-year guarantee. But the 23 24% of the cap, Uh, for five years when that money can't be moved around and you're just going to make it eventually, we're not going to play that game. And it kind of reminds me of an old Ricky Gervais line where, you know, he he, uh, at one point said someone told him they were offended by a joke, and he said, okay. And? And and, and so my point is, yeah, the owners probably don't want that. And right now the guys with the most guaranteed money are Deshaun Watson, and that contract looks awful. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals would get out of that. Russell Wilson and the Broncos would get out of that. And Aaron Rodgers, who the Packers are trying to trade. So I guess my response to everyone being so angry is, these aren't really working for the teams. Why would they keep wanting to do them? Yeah, and in particular, Watson, I mean, $230 million fully guaranteed at signing. The second highest number is Aaron Rodgers at 101 and a half. So 
I know there's, there's more total guarantees for Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, but just looking at exactly what Watts, uh, what Lamar apparently wants, which is full guarantee at signing, Watson is in his own stratosphere. And I think part of the issue here is, yes, of course, the owners don't want to do it. And it's also, look, I'm never going to you know make excuses for billionaire owners, but there are some owners not have the liquidity and the cash flow to deal with the escrow situation, which, again, not trying to get too far into the weeds, but when you fully guarantee money in future years of contracts, you as an ownership group have to put that money aside into an escrow account to make sure the reason why it's there is it actually used to protect players in the past that, you know, before the league was a printing press of, of money-making machines, it made sure players got their money. Now it's kind of an excuse that owners use um, but look, like the Bengals with Joe Burrow, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, those owners cannot afford to do it either. You know, of course, the Broncos and, and the, the Walmart owners can do it, but some genuinely cannot. Yeah, and just to dumb this down for me, what you're saying is if you guarantee Lamar Jackson, just say, five years at $50 million, 250 you quite literally have to have $250 million setting aside. A little bit less. Uh, it's a 75% of okay. future money. So, yeah. But anyway, still, for, for Watson, for example, $157.5 million for Watson had to go into an escrow account, um, which, you know, which is insane. I mean, like I said, that's still more, more fully guaranteed money than any player has ever had by over $50 million. So, look, I am a fan of Lamar's. I think he's the most exciting player in the league to watch. He's a top 10 QB in the NFL. There's a lot of teams that should move mountains to try to get him. I am just surprised, though, by kind of how this has been talked about and how people are viewing this in that I don't think it's crazy that a team wouldn't feel good about giving him a Watson-ish deal. He has not been healthy either of the last two years. No one likes talking about the fact that, I mean, I'll just use PFF's grades, which I, I think are pretty sharp at the quarterback position. I mean, you guys have had him outside of the top 15 as a quarterback, not even as a passer, two of the last three years. He 2019 was four years ago. The Nats won the World Series, like for people in D.C. <laughs> I, I, I've gained a lot of weight and, and, and in worse shape. You know what I mean? Like that's – those things aren't getting brought up. Everyone's just screaming through a megaphone, it's Lamar Jackson. He's 26. How could you not do this? I think there's a lot of good reasons. We also don't really know what happened at the end of last year. He had teammates calling him out saying that they thought he should be playing. I don't know if that's fair or not. But these are all actual things that these teams have to consider. No, I hear you. I, I do 100%. And, and so, like you said, I'm also I'm not surprised. I don't think anyone should be. I think the one thing for me that I just found very, very odd was why are these teams saying this right after the deadline, right? Like, why not, even if it's not true, even if you – look, the NFL loves lying to us and, and, and pretending and putting on charades. Every team, bring them to the building, say, hey, we're going to meet with Lamar Jackson. He's a special talent. We love him. Have him in and say, you know what? We could make things work. I just found it weird that they went out of their way to say we're not interested, we're not going to talk to him. Because, again, in theory, in theory, we know that Lamar Jackson is asking for $250 million fully guaranteed or whatever it is. In practice, the team technically should not know that. The Baltimore Ravens aren't calling their buddies saying, hey, here's what Lamar asked for today. Or if they are, you know, that's a problem as well. So, so I, I agree with you. But let me yeah, let me yeah, get yeah. your thoughts on this because you've worked. I mean, yeah. again, you're one of the few guys we have on the show that's kind of worked in a front office, right? Which I I love tapping into. I talked to a person with a team last night, and I kind of floated that. And their point was, look at the teams last year that got in on Watson. They almost all had to move on from their current quarterback. If the Dolphins with Tua come out yesterday and say they're interested, that could possibly hinder a developing relationship. Now. 
does it matter what Sam Howell thinks if you're Washington or, you know, Vegas isn't tied to anyone? So this doesn't work for all those teams. But there is something to be said for, you know, the Falcons ultimately had to trade Matt Ryan. Baker Mayfield won it out. Like, if you have an incumbent guy, say Tua or somebody else, are you supposed to just be raising your paddle and following this, you know, this girl to every dance and then come back afterwards and say, oh, actually, I really do like you. Like, you don't have to do that publicly. You could, you know, you could do that privately. For sure, and that is completely fair, although it's kind of funny that the Dolphins met with Deshaun Watson, literally had their owner meet with him. Um, and, and, you know, but I'm that sure was Mike when Daniel Tua stunk. Was, Right, all right. No, no. So I hear you. I hear you. No, that is entirely reasonable. But like you said, the couple teams you mentioned, you know, all due respect to Sam Howell and whatnot. But, um, you know, I hear you. That's an entirely valid point. I wouldn't be, you know, upset if a team that has a solid guy in place said, hey, we're not going to try to create drama and, and piss off our incumbent guy. Like you said, Matt Ryan was at, was at Indianapolis Colt last year because of that reason. There is no other reason he would have played for them last year if not for that meeting, you know, getting public. So I, I hear you. At PFF underscore Brad, you should be following him. Real quick, I want to sneak this in because you've been uh, discussing this, I know. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, what's going on? Is he getting traded, and, and what kind of deal would we be looking at there? Oh, he's definitely getting traded. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't been traded already. Uh, if he's an Arizona Cardinal by April 1st, I would be very, very surprised. Uh, so, you know, I, I think he's owed two years, about $33, $34 million over the next two years. His quote today on Pat McAfee saying that he doesn't necessarily need a new contract, I think is a massive, massive sign that we're also getting closer to a deal getting done. And I think is great news for the Arizona Cardinals because I think they'll get a second-round pick and maybe a fourth or fifth-round pick. I don't see a first entering the equation. Um, I look at the Julio Jones trade as a good you know, comparison. Similar age, similar great player. Obviously, the Titans would like to have that one back, but – I think it lands in there, and I think it gets done in the next, you know, honestly, the next week or two. Wow. Good info. This is such a fun time of the year in the NFL. I mean, it is just must-see TV, must-listen radio. Brad, we will be tracking you over at PFF. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thank you. How about this business booming in the National Football League? Not just quarterbacks. We're dabbling into the wide receiver market and DeAndre Hopkins as well. Grant and Danny, without Danny, there was Dan Snyder news last night. Another night, another story. The Washington Post keeps on. Those printing presses don't stop, do they? Like a scene out of the newsies. Just papers coming out, baby. Dan Snyder, is he going to sell or is he not going to sell? Another development next on Grant and Danny. Happy day after franchise tag deadline day from your pals, Grant and Danny. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wish you a happy day after day from Danny, even though he's not here. But he would want to wish you that if he was. Just doesn't have a voice. He's not even sick. He's just probably playing video games, to be honest. I mean, he's actually loving this, really. He's probably still in his underwear, sitting at his house, kids at school, wife at work, I feel great. I just don't have a voice. Just going to play video games for nine hours. I want to get into the NFL owners who have been discussing the commander's sale in Florida this week. According to Mark Maskey, the Post wrote a story about this last night. But I have a little game here I thought we could play to incorporate my pals, our producers, Darius 
and Ryan. I saw this and thought it would be entertaining to pit them against one another. So without further ado, let's see who's going to come down to the ring first here in this competition between Darius and Ryan. Well, we know who this is. I mean, this is Bryce Harper's walk-up music at one point in time when he was just a wee little boy at Nats Park. And so he still loves this jam. Fighting out of Falls Church, the former Falls Church Jaguar. By God, that's Ryan Clary's music. Ryan, what's your level of confidence to win this competition when you don't even yet know what it is? Uh, one to 100, I'm going to go 1,000. Never short on confidence. I like that about you. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Clary. Thank you. And because Darius is the defending champion, the last time we did this, Darius walked off with ease. In the stadium challenge, he comes out second. Time to play the game. <laughs> You're going to drink some like a water bottle and spit it up into the evening sky? I don't have water with me, so I'll, uh, I'll settle for Mountain Dew. No, 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 you don't need water. I said, are you going to drink water? <laughs> And then spit that into the air. You don't need to do anything with it. I don't know what you would do with water. <laughs> All right. You got me. You got me. Attaboy. You got me. So you guys don't know what we're doing yet, but I'm going to explain right now. I need a... I've got my bell, actually. So all I need from you, Darius, is a buzzer. Highest paid athletes of all time through the end of the year 2022 inflation-adjusted earnings. We will go back and forth. Top 10 only. You only get a point for people in the top 10. You get three strikes, and then you're out. We're going to see who uh, who names more of them. This is the highest paid athletes of all time through the year 2022. Ryan, you'll go first. Uh, Alex Rodriguez. I need a buzzer. Wow. Alex Rodriguez is not on the list. Darius. He's off to a good start. Uh, let's Joning. go. I love it. <laughs> let's go Tiger Woods. There you go. Tiger Woods is number two on the list at $2.5 billion for Tiger Woods. LeBron James. LeBron James is number six on the list at $1.5 billion. Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is number five on the list at $1.6 billion. Darius has a 2-1 lead through two rounds. He does. Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi, $1.5 billion, number seven on the list. Ryan pulls even with Darius hitting here in the bottom half of the fourth. What do we have so far? Is it two, five, seven? You have number two. You have number five. You have number six. You have number seven. Ooh, let's go. Michael Jordan. Number one on the list. They're not making a movie this week about uh, Sam Howell. <laughs> that, that is called Air. That's starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Jordan, number one on the list. $3.3 billion. Darius leads four to three. All right. Serena Williams. Three to two. Three to two? Three to two. I'll take three that as well. Serena Williams is my uh, third guess. Third correct guess. She's your correct guess. Yep. Serena Williams is not on the list. Well, let me see. I think I saw her name somewhere here. Let me see. Nope. 600 million, number 38, the only female athlete in the top 50, I believe. So 
Good guess, but she is 38th on the list, my guy. I feel like we're missing somebody Tennessee here, though. Uh, let's go with this through 2022. I'm going to go Roger Federer. Let's go. Darius is killing this. <laughs> $1.4 billion. What's it like to just wipe the floor with Ryan every time you guys compete well, in the game? This is nothing new, so okay, I'm yeah. just used to it now. Doubling them up, 4-2. to two. It's fine. So Water. right now, you guys are missing numbers 3 and 4, numbers 8 and 10. I'm going to go Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. It's I, tough break. It's tough. I will say you're at a point of this that gets really difficult, if I may. In fact, after Darius's guess here, I'll probably give you. Well, by the way, Ryan's been that, out. That was, that was his third, third strike. Third That's strike. It. He's out. So, Darius, you get one more guess, and then I'll give you the others. Just, just to try to add insult. I mean, you're batting in the bottom of the ninth, even though you have a lead. Right. Yeah. This is. This is. Uh... There's no umpires, but you, you're the Pirates and the Orioles. You just don't want to go home. Yeah, I lost. Oh man. Uh, this is for a clean sweep. Yeah, I know. I I really would like to bat five for five on this one. Five hit game. That would be great. Cal Ripken against the Rangers. Trey Turner. Um, damn it. I I feel like we're missing somebody baseball-y, too. Throw a name out there. Give me something. I'm just. I'll, I'll just say. I don't know, Mike Trout. Wrong. Yeah, you did well. <laughs> you guys were missing Arnold Palmer. Number three on the list. Jack Nicholas, number four on the list. Oh, yeah. Floyd Mayweather, number eight on the list. Of course. And Phil Mickelson, 10th on the list. Yeah, we, we definitely slept on golf. Three golfers and a boxer. Yeah. Danny will be proud you guys completely disrespected golf, though. <laughs> I well, got Tiger. I mean, golf is an activity after all. You, you probably should have disclosed that golf is considered a sport in this list. But that's just my own complaint. You guys got a point for Tiger Woods early on. I think that was pretty clear what was happening. That's your top 10. Jordan Woods, Palmer, Nicholas, Ronaldo. LeBron already sixth. He's not done yet. Messi, Mayweather, Federer, and Mickelson rounding out the top 10. Darius, and still your defending producer champion in the competitions here on G&D. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, NFL owners discussing commander sale. Daniel, Daniel Snyder at a committee meeting. This is via Mark Maskey. So here's the thing. Maskey did a really good job. He is at these uh, subcommittee hearing meetings that were taking place in West Palm Beach, doing reporting, talking to owners, working sources. To me, though, when I read this story, basically what I got out of it is I don't think the owners at all know what's happening right now. Now, I guess I should say that the owners aren't necessarily the sources, but in this story, it says at one point, owners are hopeful he's go- some owners are hopeful he's going to sell without having to be voted out. Others are skeptical and aren't as hopeful. So we're, we've got these conflicting things where you know, one person says Dan Snyder could be selling imminently. Another person says they're not sure if this is going to happen anytime soon. And I kind of read this as, depending on which way the wind's blowing and which owner or which person at these meetings you're talking to, it doesn't sound like anybody really knows. In fact... One excerpt from this piece in the post was league and owners getting little information from Dan, according to Mark sources. Wrote that down as a note here. I just wonder how many of those guys are that in the know. It would seem to me like if they are pressuring and pushing Dan out, that some of the power players, Jerry Jones and others, probably know what's up and 
those guys aren't going to keep secrets that well, I wouldn't imagine. I would think Roger Goodell is semi-plugged in. But I've said this for a while. I think Dan Snyder's circle of people that's super plugged in on what he's doing is very, very small. And that's part of why I think the reporting on this, while it's great when we get any kind of nugget, has been on a day-to-day basis fairly sporadic, right? One outlet says something on a Tuesday that conflicts with what someone says on a Wednesday. And on Thursday, we're told this guy might buy the team. But on Friday, we hear that guy might actually be out. I just don't think there's that many people that have a great beat on what's going on. And so the really good reporters that are working this are talking to people. And a lot of them have a little bit of information. And you're just getting at that moment what they have. But the the pullout quote that was kind of disseminated with this story that I saw some people posting on social media that a lot of people nationally had gone pretty hard with was that if the NFL doesn't provide indemnification, this demand that that Dan is making, it's really problematic, that he could go to the mattress and continue to fight, and that this demand that he has made threatens to keep the sale from occurring, as predicted. One person even said to Mark Maskey that this could carry into the summer or the fall, that he could still be owning this team into the summer and the fall, which I guess we've all kind of known that's a possible outcome. We're all hoping that it's not the case, and I think a lot of us are assuming that it won't be. But I would just reiterate two things on that. You know, A lot of people yesterday took that out of this story and kind of just made that bold, the pull-out moment. This thing might not be over. Number one, it's one person's opinion. Several sources were cited throughout this story One person said the demand threatens to keep a sale from occurring, said the person who predicted the deliberations over the process could continue to the summer or the fall. That person might be right. They might be wrong. It's just one guy might be plugged in. Take. So I'm not taking that as gospel. The other thing I'll say is that was in the penultimate paragraph of this entire piece. This was a a few hundred word story from Florida with just counting quickly here. Looks like about 11 or 12 paragraphs. The second-to-last paragraph said this thing could go into the summer or the fall. If that was really the, the lead, if that was the, the story, if, if that was the takeaway Maskey had coming out of this meeting was Dan Snyder's not selling until the summer or fall at the earliest, my bet is that thing's going to be a little higher in this story. You're probably going to put that in your lead paragraph. Instead, the story is source said this, source said that, one person thinks this, one person thinks that, 11 paragraphs later, And maybe Dan doesn't sell until the summer or the fall. That'll keep you up at night. That'll scare you. Nobody wants that. That is a horrifying thought. And it is sad for everyone who's excited and ready to have a parade. But again, I'm not taking it as a huge bulletin, notable, newsy thing, just based on kind of where it was placed in the story and the fact that there were a lot of suggestions of what could happen from a lot of people. That was one of them. Hopefully, we get something else this week on this Snyder sale uh, because last week business was a boom and things have kind of slowed down a little bit. Remember, the owners reconvene end of this month, Phoenix, Arizona, for what is the big set of meetings where people speculated over the last few months. The sale could be done by then. The owners wanted it to be done. They could be ratifying the new owner. Certainly doesn't look like that's going to happen. But these meetings are a major benchmark in this process. Coming up now in about two weeks. Grant and Danny without Danny. We are 20 minutes away from giving away a four-pack of Capitals tickets and talking to our guy, 
Nick Dowd on the Beltway Blitz right here on The Fan. Double play coming your way in a moment. Welcome back to Grant and Danny without Danny on the fan. Wizards in the win column last night. Just two points in Detroit separating them and the Pistons at the buzzer. Daniel Gafford. First time they won a game at the horn. Ball goes through basket as the buzzer sounds in nine years. Haven't had a game winner like that. 2014, Beal hit a jumper. Uh, This is the first time Gafford sends them over. The top against Detroit, a dramatic win last evening. Nats played spring training ball. They're already back in the clubhouse today. They lost 2-1 to one at the Tigers in Florida in Grapefruit League action. Uh, of note for the Nationals, a three-hit game in four at-bats and a nice play in the field by Dalen Lyle, who's a 20-year-old prospect in their system. He's 16th uh, in their MLB pipeline rankings right now. He's a left-handed bat. He was a second-round pick, was the 47th pick in the uh, 2021 draft, and he two straight years won the Gatorade Kentucky High School Player of the Year Award and had shown a really advanced ability to hit coming out as a prep star. Has not been healthy and hadn't been on the field for the Nationals all that much since, but he is a guy who, at 20 years old, is going to get a chance to move up the ladder this season in the minor leagues. Got a cameo today in big league spring training. And had three hits and and made a nice catch. So that's awesome to see. That's kind of what this spring is about for the Nationals as they try to figure out who's going to be able to help them this season and who won't. Well, he's not a big leaguer this year. I'm looking forward to seeing him in Fredericksburg at some point with some of their high-end prospects. Uh, Speaking of which, Jackson Rutledge threw today through a couple of innings. So it's been fun to watch the Nats spring training, see some of these minor league players that are a year or two away uh, get some work, which is frankly what we've got to, I think, prioritize this year as Nationals fans. Let's get to the double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. So I went for my daily walk today in the Navy Yard here. Okay, we work three, maybe four blocks from the center field gate, officially, uh, up half street. And there are a billion restaurants and bars and all kinds of cool things now. Just a cool little neighborhood to walk around, get some fresh air, go find a place to grab some food, come back to the studio. So I was going on my daily walk, and I noticed there's a sign-up that I've never noticed before. said Swingers. And I'm thinking, is this, a, is this a sports bar? Well, there's a couple options, I suppose. The first is not a place necessarily that I'm going to spend a lot of time at, but I'm sure there are some people in the area might be really excited about the development, right? I was like, well, this is interesting. I'll do some Googling. But my actual thought was, is this a sports bar? Is is this a place I could sit down, get myself a burger, have a brew before a game? And it was not, but it turned out I was still very excited. So this place is going to be basically designed like 1920s Great Britain. It's going to be a mini golf course indoors, like three or four holes, with cocktail bars and street food vendors and private hire spaces and all kinds of stuff, but... Designed to look like Great Britain in the 20s, I guess. This I looked this up online. Stroll into Swingers Navy Yard. Find yourself in a world inspired by a great British seaside, 1920s. Complete with a British pub, crazy golf courses, cocktail bars, and street food. Now, my lead, my takeaway was, it's indoor putt-putt. 
I'd like it to just be 18 holes of indoor putt-putt because that would be really fun. I could see myself and my buddies coming over here before a game, playing a little putt-putt, going and seeing the Nats. But things are looking up in terms of activities in the Navy Yard. I could see me, Darius, Ryan, and maybe Danny when he gets his voice back, going over there and competing in a little putt-putt before a show. It's not pickleball. So maybe Danny isn't going to be all the way in. But that could be a good time. We have already turned a corner as far as places to eat. Right? You want a place to drink? You got a lot of options now. There's not necessarily activities in this neighborhood, I would say. I don't know of like escape rooms or any of these places. You can't go in and, and sit in a room and like put glasses on and just break stuff. I think that would sound pretty cool. But uh, what do you think? A little putt-putt indoors? Have ourselves a meal? I'm in. I'm in for this, too. And, and you know, my friends and I, being a 23-year-old, being a young, adventurous 23-year-old, that's going to be my place. Really? Swing. Oh, yeah. Okay, I mean, so, but, but I was a little annoyed when I, because it looks, I'm like, oh, swingers, and then it's like, oh, it's a golf thing, it's indoor putt-putt, whatever. It's actually only three holes, and it's a lot of other stuff. Like, it's it's a lot <laughs> of bar and maybe restauranty type stuff. Well, I, I personally, I do like a lot of bar. Sure. I, I like a lot of bar personally. But wouldn't you prefer just, like, now that you know that that's kind of what's coming, mm-hmm. is just go in and play putt-putt right there? Well, I do want to play putt-putt, but here, here's my thing. I believe how this would work is that there is an ability that they can change up those holes. So the course will be different probably Monday through Friday and even through the weekend. That's just kind of my thought about it. But then again, your boy, me, I'm going to be camping there. So I here's another thing I've never heard of that uh, takes place in Kansas City. They've got this downtown. Uh, my buddy, who I host a show with on the weekends nationally on CBS Radio and BetQL, was going to do this after he got off the air. And I said, there might be one of these here you guys might know about. I'm not young and hip. It's called Breakthrough, okay? Now, I have no file on this, but essentially it's a brand-new game destination. It's this 22,000-square-foot venue that they have. Apparently these are in a bunch of cities. He's going to the one in Kansas City. It features 35 unique, immersive, high-technology rooms. So it reminds me almost of like... um, you know, you, you got to get get out of the rooms by solving mysteries or whatever. Escape room. Uh-huh. Have you seen those? So, But this is, it's challenges. They can be mental. They can be physical. They can be skills-based. There's like a room where you have to like make a certain shot and then everyone can leave. And you have to go through all 35 of the rooms and these challenges designed to maximize fun for you and your teammates in a team versus the room challenge on an epic level. I kind of think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds like something that might be in, say, like Georgetown. I don't think there's right. anything like that around here. But I have seen viral videos of something similar to that. Do we have the rooms in D.C. where you can break stuff? You know about yeah. those? Yeah, yeah. Just like you take a sledgehammer. Like it's what the commanders did for their schedule release this year. Uh, rage rooms is what it, they call it. There them. you go. And yeah. they, you just slam a bunch of stuff. Yeah, those I think are that around. sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we have those. I'm definitely aware of escape rooms. I've actually done a couple of those in the area. But I have not heard of this. This thing's called Breakthrough, BRK Through. I haven't heard of these in in this area yet. I've always wanted to do uh, axe throwing. That's a, that's an activity I've seen some friends do, uh, you know, via social media in other cities. I think that'd be fun. Uh, I've I've done an escape room before. Yeah, there's there's some of that stuff around here. But it would be great to see more of it in the Navy Yard. So I like the is idea a good of like start. the mental and physical challenge. Like, all right, so we got to make a basket. We got to do this. It feels a little escape roomy, but maybe next level. So. 
We'll see what comes to the hood, but it sounds like a putt-putt challenge is in order for the fellas. It's going down. Just down the street. We'll see who the putt-putt champion is. All right, our Beltway Blitz is next. We got Nick Dow joining us, and we are giving away four tickets to go see the Capitals. You got to be listening right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 